So one of the first sessions that I went to when I arrived in Australia was in Geelong. Uh, actually, it wasn't in Geelong. It was in Turkey, in somebody's house in Turkey, and I managed to get invited along after about after about six months of hearing rumors that there was this house session Straight that sometimes happened. Session. So I ended up at this house session, and today's guest was there, the mandolin player and banjo player, Jimmy Dalton. And Jimmy is a man who loves his tunes like few other people I've I've met. I mean, he is into his tunes. He has a list. I said to him at one point after I got to know him a bit, um, I said, oh, could you, could you give me an idea of like some of the some of the tunes you have? And he gave me like four sheets of A4 and each item on, on each line had like three tunes in it. It was like, <laughs> I was like it was so like 300 tunes or something. Is it, it's the pure volume of the amount of tunes he collects, is it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's been great to actually have a chance to sort of chat to him and to just hear a bit about how he came to be in Australia, kind of by accident, actually, as you'll hear. Um spoiler alert. So let's get on with it, yeah. Yeah. Um quickly, Darren. Like I work in advertising. I know I should only ask you to do one thing, but I'm gonna ask you to do two two things. Please share the podcast being one, because that is if you can't um, donate by going to Patreon. That's fine. We understand that's cool. You can still help us by sharing the podcast to other people. It doesn't have to be a, a Facebook share. It can just be just tell someone. Tell one person. That'll be great. The second one is if you're feeling flush, why not pop over and help us on our quest? So $2 an episode. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode and my wife had a good laugh at it, was it does go some way to explaining where we go missing because <laughs> it takes a lot of time to do this as many of you know we don't live near a major metropolitan area too so there's a lot of uh, organizing post-production trying to just even get the interviews um coordinated, coordinated in the first yeah. place it all takes a lot of time a lot of money and your donations really you that's the thing that keeps the show going so if you can do that that would be great if you can't no worries it's always going to be free Right, I've said my piece. I always feel so guilty, but I have to ask, otherwise we can't continue. Now, have you anything else to do? Because last week I stopped well, myself. Let's go. Jimmy Dalton. Uh, just two, two yeah. basic reasons. two that I usually would normally do on the banjo mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, what is y- your first connection with this kind of music I mean you grew up in Waterford 
Yep, grew up in Waterford. Um, uh, my old man, who was a carpenter, he sang Irish songs basically every day when he was shaving, when he was always singing. So, you know, songs like Kevin Barry, The the Valley in Nakanoor, all, all that stuff, you know. He, he, he sang them all the time. I mean, I virtually know the words of all those songs, or a lot of the words, just from hearing him singing them all the time. Aye. Unfortunately, I can't sing, and if I could, I would be a singer playing guitar, and uh, yeah. I'd be out there up front singing songs all the time. I can't do it. So, uh, yeah. I really didn't get into traditional music until, you know, really till I left Ireland. And why, why did you leave? I couldn't get work in Ireland. I was, um, there was just no future for me in Ireland. So um, what what kind of work were you looking for? When I was in Ireland, look, I finished my leaving cert and um, I did work as a, a fitter's mate for a while in the old glass factory in Waterford. I did some labouring jobs. I did three months as an apprentice carpenter, which I jacked in because you could get more money on the dole than you could as an apprentice carpenter. Um, but eventually the writing was on the wall. There was no real, I didn't see any real future there. And one night in the pub, my mate said, um, he was going to England the next day. He said, oh, do you want to come? So I did. Just like that? Just like that. Uh-huh. So did you go home that night, pack your gear and away? Um Went home, um, we, it may have been two days afterwards, because um, we, d- we did tell family Aye. that we were going, you know, and um, so I didn't just, you know, leave without telling anyone. <laughs> but it, it was very, uh, yeah, it, it, it was planned, uh, you know, within days. Was it, was it hard for your, for your, for your mum and dad, like when you told them? Or? I never thought about that. It must have been. Yeah, it's getting emotional. <laughs> uh, no, I never thought about it. But it's funny because you, don't, you, you nah. don't you don't think about it at that age, right? Um, I didn't. In a sense, it was all about me. Aye. You know, yeah, I, I don't think I... No, I clearly didn't, you know, give too much thought about the impact of me moving, uh, the impact that had on my family. Aye. Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have one brother, yeah, yeah. Right. And he right. stayed in, the, he's still in the family home. Right. He stayed there all the time and, uh, yeah. So where did you go to in England? Uh, I first moved to Gloucester. Mm-hmm. And, um... And were you working on the labouring and stuff there, or...? When I went to Gloucester, I initially worked under... I started work as a, I claimed to be a qualified carpenter and used a different name and uh, got a job and but got sprung in it. (laughs) So uh, then I had to take a bona fide job then, which I did in, um, uh, I worked in a, I worked in a foundry, Mm -hmm. which was a filthy, dirty, dangerous job. I was casting molten metal wasn't a nice job but I liked it you know it was it was good fun Aye. but you know you got filthy dirty and mm. was there any was there any music in your life at this point then so you're you're over there for a few months and um... I bought 
a long neck banjo in Gloucester. I didn't know what I was doing. I just bought one, but I, I never uh, learned to play that then. Nah. Eventually moved to Cardiff, but um, and it was only in the the late seventies um, that I started. You know, I, I became very friendly with a very good um, tenor banjo player, Jimmy Barker, who's Irish. And so this was I, in Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me a bit about him. What 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 was it about his playing that attracted you? Jimmy just, uh, he could, you know, sit down, listen to a tune. I remember him with the old tape, on, off, on, off. and But he'd have it within, you know, a short period of time. He was very willing to sh- show me how to play things. So he, he essentially ignited, I, I think, um, that, that little flame in me to, to, to really want to play the banjo. He... Uh, played in sessions and he was the sort of he carried the sessions over there mm-hmm. and wh- where were you playing in Cardiff where where were the do you remember any of the pubs where you would play because um, it's a great city of pubs <laughs> there was uh, there was one down um, where the the Tudor it's not there anymore they knocked it down to put that new rugby um, place there the Millennium Stadium yeah yeah but um the Tudor used to be in full flight. That that they were that was a great session. There was another session in in Roth where um, Jimmy used to play. I used to go on. just to get in there. Uh, you know, you were very lucky because there was hardly any room to move. People wouldn't put up with that nowadays. I don't think because people like their comfort. You know, mm-hmm. but back then it was just get in and just listen to the music. And, and was it, that traditional or was that traditional? Again, traditional, yeah. yeah. And so then you're starting to learn tunes. I was learning tunes from Jimmy. I was going around to his house, learning them. And um, I was very keen to go to the sessions uh, that in the Tudor. But um, when I suggested, he basically said, no, <laughs> leave your banjo at home, he said. Right. <laughs> Jesus, I was disappointed because... Yeah. Um, but, you know, he did me a favour. He, he said, you're not good enough to go to sessions at this point. You know, and, and I understood it. I didn't go home and sulk over it. I took it on board and it gave me, I guess, the impetus to, if you want to play in sessions, you have to learn the stuff. Yeah. And um, and unfortunately, shortly after that, I left and came to Australia. So why unfortunately? What do you mean? Well, had I remained in Cardiff, I certainly would have hung around with Jimmy and um, would have picked up a lot of banjo technique and stuff a hell of a lot easier, I think. If you play with people like that, you know, you inevitably just come along in leaps and bounds, you know. Mm. Do you remember any tunes from that? Do you want to try a tune from that period if there's one that you can um, that you can think of? It would be lovely to hear that. Okay, I'll, I'll do one on the banjo. Yeah, nice one. These banjos are both made in Geelong by Pat Dool, who unfortunately died. Very sad, but um, yeah. Gee, he was a good banjo maker. This is... Uh, so we've heard his name. We we spoke to Ray Black, who's also an instrument maker who used to work with him, I guess. And right, and I've, I've got a number of Ray's yeah. instruments here. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think you were just playing... Was that Ray Black? That's a Ray Black playing? mandolin. Yeah. And yeah. I've got a sit turn, which I bought 
in the early 80s from Ray. That's a lovely little instrument. <clears throat> that's that, that's for anyone w wondering what the ringing sound is as we're talking, that's what it is. These instruments are all hanging on the wall and sitting on a stand here, so they're sort of resonating as we chat. So. The room is mostly instrument, in fairness. <laughs> a few here. I remember Pat saying to me years ago that because I come when I first went into his house, uh, you know, when I was getting my banjo, um, he had lots of instruments on the wall, but I wasn't aware at that stage that by keeping them on the wall, they, it actually helps the sound in the instruments. So this is uh, what are you going to play? Hopefully, I'll play it okay. Uh, uh, this is one that I learned from Jimmy Barco back in the early days. It's uh, what's it called? The wind that shakes the barley. Brilliant. It's just a little real. Shakes the Barley. Yeah. Played by Jim Dalton on a banjo made by Pat Duell. That's right. So, um, so you, you moved to Australia. I mean, we're compressing things here. And so, I mean, was it a big thought process about moving to Australia? Was it a big... Look, at the time, it was... Uh, the plan was to come to, to Aussie for five years. Right. We didn't envisage at any stage that we would stay longer than that. Make your fortune and... Yeah, just see a bit of the country. Yeah. I did have two cousins out here then, and you know, because they were already in Aussie, oh. you know, at least I knew someone out here. And, um, but, um, instead of five years, I've been here, you know, well, since 1980, and it's now right. 2019, so 39 years I've been out yeah. here. Mm -hmm. What's going on musically when you move to Australia for you? Well, when I came out first, I, I, I spent eight months or so in Mildura. Um, there was bush bands in Mildura then. I didn't play in one then because I wasn't in the uh, in Mildura long enough, but I did get to meet some of the guys who played in the band and, in fact, eventually ended up playing with them. Um, after Mildura, I, I went to Warrnambool once again. I, I was playing music down there, but uh, not 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 in a bush band. Didn't really get into the bush band until, oh gosh, after Warrnambool, I went. I worked in um, Geelong for a number of years, and then moved back to Mildura, where I stayed for about ten years. During those 10 years, I had my own bush band called the Dalton Brothers. The The guys I hung around with were very good musicians, singers, great harmonies. There was other people, if we had big jobs that we could uh, call on, like one guy, Chris Rogers. Uh, Chris is a, 
a session muso. He runs his own recording studio. He plays five string banjo, mandolin, guitar, you name it, he plays it. Chris play, you know, played on and off with us and um, uh, a number of other people, but um, we had a good sound. We, we had Mildurus on up. We yeah. made regular money over those 10 years. So what kind of tunes were you playing? Tunes or songs? What, what was the style? Um, it, it was a mixture of, like, we, we, we'd have, uh, say, four brackets. A bracket might last, when I say a bracket, I'm talking songs and tunes. So that might go for 40 minutes and then you have a break and then you do your next one. So uh, with those, you'd have a number of songs which could be, you know, uh, Star of the County Down, uh, a lot of the Australian bush songs, even the, the Black Leg Miner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, we did the, the Black and Tans, which is an Irish song, but it went down very well over here. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we, we also, you know, with a lot of the songs, we, we used to stick in a tune, you know, in between just to break it up. And uh, that went really well. We did sort of standard brackets, like, you know, whatever, Tripping Upstairs, um, My Darling Asleep, uh, stuff like that, Morrison's. But that was the did, scene, that was the Bush Band scene, was it? Or was that more your your band? No, no, the Bush Band scene, uh, there, there, there was other Bush Bands up there as well. And this is not just Mildura, it's around the country. Yeah. Back then, Bush Bands were big. I mean, they were, they were in Melbourne, there was the, the Cobbers and the... Um, Captain Moonlight and you know uh, there there was a lot of um, Mm -hmm. push bands around and and was that was that mainly in Victoria or was it like you say all over the no no it it was it was all over the country yeah yeah. that's interesting Um, one of the lads who played with me Billy Smith he uh, played over in Perth with a very well known bush band called the Mucky Duck Bush Band and they recorded a number of um, LPs. Uh, you know, if you can put your finger on it, what, like what was going on that that was happening then? You know, what was what was that about? Well, I, I think the attraction with the Bush uh, bands was we usually played in um, woolsheds or similar, so you could get a lot of people come along, couples, families. And quite often there'd be tables set up at the side and, you know, they'd have their drinks and food and everyone could get involved. There was people calling dances. So, you know, we, uh, we did dances that weren't too complicated. Yeah. So everyone could get involved. They got some basic direction from uh, our lead singer who at times, if you had a few drinks, got the directions and instructions all mixed up, and uh, but um, always mixed for <laughs> mixed for a good uh, mixed for a good experience. For well, everybody. it was, and yeah, it, it was a a good experience for everyone because people were generally happy, and they were very happy to get into the dancing and um, up and you know bopping around, and and that's Aye. what it's all about. And um, so we we were we spoke about this briefly. So this is happening mid eighties. In, in in the eighties at that that time, yeah, right. And this, maybe this is my personal take, but when I think about the eighties, it seems like it was a very progressive time. It was all about new, flashy. Like you think of the fashion, big hairs, big um, shoulder pads, lots of glitz and that kind of thing. And it kind of correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the bush band scene was almost a almost like an Australian folk revival. There was a it was the mainstream alternative oh, to some extent. It was kind of a 
instead of going towards the glitz and glamour of the 80s and all that, what was perceived as the mainstream, am I right, right in thinking that possibly it was, it was an alternative to that and that's why it was so popular? Um, yeah, I tend to agree with you. Uh, my experience with the Bush fans is more in the 90s. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I just want to clarify that. I think, too, a lot of the musos who played trad music saw the Bush bands as a... a as a an avenue to to get some extra dollars as well yeah and you know it, it was uh and it was obviously the the want for it like the only way you would make money is for people to be interested in it and have a, a good time at it there was a big demand for it yeah and it paid quite well in, in my fascinating. opinion fascinating from an outsider learning about it um just really through stories like ray spoke about it one or two other people have spoke about it and yeah we've, we've struggled to kind of get an idea on what this bush band scene was like okay one uh, one job we did was it was 18 kilometers it was a, a wool shed 18 kilometers in off the main road um so you had to drive down a dirt track just to get to it it was a working wool shed so but what they did was you know moved everything tidied up the place and try and get it to smell somewhat nice <laughs> but you can never you know you could yeah. never get rid of the the full-on uh, smell in there but um it was a great time they used to look after us i mean we were like kings you know they they put us up accommodation which was usually in the shearers quarters we'd get plenty um food get paid well yeah and uh, it, it was overall just a positive experience and uh Unfortunately, those it doesn't happen now. This is going to sound strange, possibly, but I think it is happening now. In a different, you wouldn't pick it a different scene altogether. So there's a there's a style of dance music, um, psy trance, which is very popular in Australia, more so than anywhere else, and they do exactly that. So their parties are usually off the beaten track, old, um, old shearing sheds, whatever it is, but that's it, off off the beaten track, and it, it really is an alternative to what is happening they are going away from the nightclubs and where the normal dance music scene would be set to be set and they're going bush they want to get back to a it's funny to get back to a more natural setting they play yes very very full-on psychedelic techno music and i think maybe i'm thinking that too because sometimes i do think that that trad particularly trad and trad tunes is almost like the original techno music where it can be quite transcendental you lose yourself in it. It's for dancing. It makes you move. Maybe I'm just going off on a big tangent. No, here, it's but, a good tangent. Um, I like it, yeah. Just when you mentioned the the wood, like the the shearing shed, and that's where the it would be. And I think maybe Chris had mentioned that the Chris Fitzgerald, yeah, Chris Fitzgerald mentioned that there would often be bush bands in in all um, like the big dance halls, but it would they get in hay bales and stuff like to kind of. I know, dress it up like it is a little bit. Oh, they did time. dress it up, and yeah. pe- you know, when people often, you know, they wore big um, hats, you know, and um, with the little things hanging down off, and the little corks and that. Yeah, they got into the spirit of it. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about this type of music you're yeah. talking about now, but uh, in in those environments and situations, uh, it leans a lot towards people enjoying themselves because they're sort of in touch with nature and um i think it's yeah there are a community built scene as well it's built from the the people who enjoy the music and then the musicians who are willing to put in the the effort it's not run by a a, 
a record label or a no, promotion no. company. It's really yeah. a grassroots. There's, so, there's no similarities. Uh, what do you call them? Middlemen taking money yeah, or yeah. anything like that. And even you mentioning how well you were looked after. So that, yeah. That wasn't some PR agency saying, well, we'll no. look at the Dalton Brothers in and we'll look after them. That was the community saying, we want to treat these guys best we can. We like them. I'll tell you something interesting. We did a bush job one night. Fantastic job. It was for the Law Society of Victoria. Uh, this was in Mildura, by the way. And uh, <laughs> at the end of the night, it was a fabulous night. Everyone enjoyed it. We did. All, all these liars from all around the state, they enjoyed it. And then when I went to collect the money at the end of the night, the lady who was supposed to pay me was gone. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. Um, anyway, you know, uh, after a f couple of phone calls in the following days, yeah, I mean, w we obviously got paid and we were always going to get paid. But it's the only job that I've done where we didn't get paid on the night. Mm -hmm. People were always, you know, um, paid up on the on, on the dot except yeah. the Law Society. <laughs> I thought that was ironic. Did you charge them by the did you charge them by the quarter hour? No, it was, was a big that, job. We, yeah. we 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 did well out of it. Uh, but uh, they were happy, you know, they yeah. agreed on the price and um uh look back in back in those days the minimum we would get on stage was hundred bucks each. Yeah, if no. you didn't get a hundred in your pocket, we wouldn't play. I wouldn't take the job. Mm. Yeah. And um yeah. So uh, are there tunes that you associate from that time then? Do you want to do another tune? That, that... They, we used to do a lot. Like uh, the Heel and Toe set, you know. They're polkas. On, give, us a wee, give us a wee bit. And of, people of used to love doing Heel and Toe, yeah. you know.
Brilliant. Thanks. That's so there's a couple of Kerry Polkas and a few Polkas, yeah, yeah. And there was a yeah, the, a song that went with it, the healing sort of toe song, yeah. So it was a bit of singing, the tunes singing. So it's interesting with with um so you mentioned you you rattled through earlier um different kinds of tunes, reels, jigs, slides, polkas. Are there periods where people things like polkas go in and out of fashion things like those other things like slides did, did the distinction between those types of tunes disappear i think it depends on the local area and who's around what musicians are there and what um that they're um interested in playing yeah we were talking about O'Carlin tunes as well that are a whole other style of tune right there's a whole different sort of flavor yeah. to them the look you've mentioned about marches I like to play marches and I like to do them in the sessions mm-hmm. to, to get people, um, you know, into them. They're, they're not as popular as perhaps what they may have been in the past, but um, they're, they're, you know, as important, you know, just not played as often as perhaps mm. they should be. I like to get a whole mix. People tend to, Generally, in the Irish sessions, they seem to want to just do reels primarily and jigs and play the reels, you know, uh, at a good driving pace. I I have noticed a lot of people seem to play jigs, in my opinion, faster than perhaps what they should be played. Mm -hmm. I tend to favour sort of just a nice pace with jigs. I don't like jigs played too fast. I think it spawns it. Because you, it's not the speed; it's it's the the melody and the the little uh, embellishments that you put in that make it. So you know, you, you that's the beauty of the music. You you can just um, uh, work around it. You can do what you, as long as you stay true to the tune. You, you can sort of um, have little variations here and there, and. Um, you know, and, and, and do the tune justice and 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 you know, that's that's a sign of a good player when they can do that, you know. It Rather is pretty, than just stick to little black dots on a piece of paper. When when you get into that it's 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 a very esoteric notion, but it's very it's very much what what, what makes music intrinsic to to us as human beings, right? It's the the fact that you play a tune one day and it, you play it one way and you play it the next day and you might be playing approximately the same notes but the feel can be completely different and it's about feel and the moment that you're in and the mood you're in and the light coming through the window and the sound of somebody walking upstairs or you know what I mean it's just like I mean that seems to me what where the magic of this music comes from is just that momentary thing you'll never be there again playing that tune the same way again yeah well I mean you've got the feel of it, you got embellishments, double stops, little slides, hammers on, you know, uh, rolls. And uh, where you put those is very important. You can kill a tune by putting too many triplets in. Yet you can, just by putting the right number of triplets in, you know, you can really do it justice. And um, and it does take a while, I think, to, to know whether you're overdoing it, you know, or going for overkill or just getting a nice balance do you still then when you're in the middle of a session and things are really kicking off do you still get a real thrill at the end of a set of tunes where you think i really 
pull that off, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I love good driving sessions. Aye. And if everything sort of connects among the players, it's, uh, yeah, it's probably like a an athlete winning a, a medal, you know? It's, uh, it, it's a great uh, achievement. It's mm-hmm. a great thrill. And uh, it's a buzz. Yeah. As a listener, too, nothing comes close to that experience too so as someone i'm saying myself as a pure listener not a player you can't i've I've very rarely heard anything on recorded that has got me anywhere near hearing good live session that that um that mix of whether it's the little ornamentations that's just happening in the moment yes that probably happens on the cd but it doesn't have that emotional connection it doesn't choke you up the same it's funny when you mentioned the chieftains earlier on and seeing the chieftains way back like um so they're you know they're the behemoths of irish music in some ways they're this massive kind of cultural force right um but i always found i never really liked their albums i never not in the way that i like planks albums for whatever reason but seeing the chieftains live is a whole other thing like hearing them playing live had something that for me their recorded stuff didn't it's just me i'm not not an expert in this it's just but it was interesting that live thing is just a whole other well they are fabulous live aren't they you know they yeah um yeah absolutely so but you know um how many musicians go on and, and can achieve at a competency level what 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 the chieftains have done you know those guys are freaks you know I mean that in a positive way. They're just uh, extremely gifted, talented people, you know, and they're on that next level, you know. Mm. Yeah, but f- five levels up. <laughs> Something like that, you <laughs> might say, yeah. Um, uh, also, another thing that's happening with the music, I think, of late is uh, there's a lot of hybrid sort of music happening, mm-hmm. which I don't like at all, you know. I prefer to stick to the state, the standard traditional but they're responsible for that in part, right? Yes, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. They, they've contributed doing to Doing albums it. with yeah. people like Ricky Skaggs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I must say, I do like Ricky Skaggs. No, Skaggs. I do it's too. I'm only a like mandolin player and singer. Oh, he's an amazing musician. But each yeah. to the, you know, in, in its own compartment, it's lovely. Right. So you're not into the fusion because there, there is a thing. Like, so it was very interesting. Um, those sort of post-folk bands like Moving Hearts and stuff who start, um, doing other stuff, electric yeah. instruments and all that, saxophone solos, and saxophone reels on a saxophone, and things like that, or real sounding music on a saxophone. Um, I have heard um, John, Johnny Conti's group at, at the Racket. Aye. And they have a, I think it's an alto sax right. yeah. doing straight traditional. That's probably the only occasion where I've. Um, not sort of felt bad about um uh, you know uh, brass or anything like that being involved with irish music because uh, in that particular setting with johnny carty i don't know the name of the the player but geez you know they, they've got a lovely connection and the sound is lovely mm-hmm. i've got a copy of it here somewhere but right. um yeah but yeah it, it but it's not for you it doesn't for the most part that doesn't i appreciate it but i I can see the bigger picture and the more that happens, the less of the pure trad we're going to see. Mm. 
And well, you say, well, you say that. I, I mean, I guess that's true. But on another level, it's like I wonder about about just the the fact that you can hear anything that you want to hear virtually. You just go online and find it, right? I, I wonder how that affects things like um, regional dialects in the way that people play, right? The style, like people would talk about a West Clare style or, you know, a Donegal style. And do those things like like the accents in speech, right? Do they start to um, disappear with the fact that everything is kind of mashed up together now? I don't think so, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, I don't think it, it, it will affect the local styles. Because um, music, like for instance, music in Ireland is thriving. I was back there in July, sessions, you know, five nights a week. <laughs> I had to limit it because <laughs> you can only take so many. <laughs> but um, now it was thriving. There was sessions were so well attended. The level of playing was really good, and um, the age groups, you know, they went from sort of fourteen up to eighty. You know. So do you still um, do you still love living here? Now one of my one of my bugbears about living in Australia is the the lack of good sessions. I miss it. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's 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 really hard. I mean, sitting down playing along with CDs is. <laughs> can, in a sense, it's a bit sad at times. But if if you need to do that just to stay in touch that's what you have to do and I, I, I do that a fair bit and um, I don't particularly like doing it when, when, I, when I was on holidays over there in July I was at sessions at least five nights a week great mm. great social thing everyone was very inviting inclusive um, got treated really well a couple of the sessions um, yeah you know got free beer in some of them yeah, yeah. so it was good um and they really invited me to you know start off brackets and play tunes and um i had no trouble whatsoever fitting in with them um because they they, they were just so inviting of outsiders mm -hmm. you know and even though i'm from ireland but mm -hmm. um they were very inviting and uh, inclusive and uh, I was really surprised well I wasn't surprised because I've seen it before when I've been at sessions over there it's 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 always the way you know so the music over there is never going to die but um, I don't think a lot of those session players particularly like me I don't think they particularly like the the odd time signatures <laughs> <laughs> and it's really hard to if you have a few drinks and you're trying to play those um, odd time signatures that uh -huh. Andy often comes up with. Right. <laughs> so should we have one more tune? You want to do a couple more tunes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, um, <laughs> those polka things I haven't played then, but uh, since I was playing bush bands, I think oh, but, uh, wouldn't have... they were a bit rough, but anyway, um, it comes with the, comes with the territory. What, what do you want to do? I want to do the Sally gardens and the maid behind the bar. Given that I was talking uh, about the Sally Gardens before, so, um, <clears throat> and it's one I know. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, tune number three on my list of eleven tunes or something. It's so. in every session. I know, I know. So it's anyway, a great, there great you go. Tune. So uh, in, in the spirit of trying to enjoy it for the beautiful tune that it is, um, uh, off we go. Mm -hmm. 
Sally Gardens in the mid behind the bar. I'd like to think that that's a stately pace. It's quite hard to play slower rather than faster, isn't it? When it's fast, you can you just sort of skim. hold on and skid through. <laughs> it's probably played a bit faster at sessions. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, can be a bit difficult at times you know if it's gone a mile a minute um trying to manage it sometimes <laughs> on the banjo or the mandolin or whatever but no nah, they're great great it's, it's, i always feel like it's it's hard to fall down the stairs slowly you know it's much easier to just rattle to the bottom <laughs> and i i think when, when a thing is sped up if the mood was good you don't think about the speed you just get into it you know? yeah. So, yeah. yeah well jim thanks so much absolutely for the chat it's been brilliant um and it's, it's beautiful to sit in this wee room with all these instruments. And mm. If anyone wanted so. to come down to a session in Geelong, where would they might bump into you? Is there any sessions happening at the minute that they might be able to come along to? Um, our current session is at the Sir Charles Hotham. Yeah, and when's that? It's once a month on Saturdays at 2 o'clock till 5.30. No worries, but if anyone wants to... Uh, to get on that email, maybe they could email us at the Blarney Pilgrims and we'll, we'll, we can shoot it on to you much appreciated brilliant thanks, thanks so much Jim thank you I love that story that Jimmy tells about wanting to go to the session in Cardiff and the guy who was teaching him the tunes saying yeah you come but don't bring your banjo <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah it was great I think I think he kind of wanted to say that to me. Jimmy wanted to say I think say that to me. Leave your whistle. Uh, yeah, just maybe just leave the whistle in the car. I'm lucky as an audience member. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the so, smile really adds to the tune. Uh, thank you, Jimmy. That was really that was really great. Yeah, thanks, it was mate. Really fun to do that. And uh, yeah, um, as ever, thanks to everyone who's gone to patreon.com forward slash Blarney Pilgrims and we'll catch you next week. Sign up. We'll catch you next week. Hi, my name is Rosa. Please become a subscriber to the podcast. Thank you.